are dismissed. Pastor? Let's see how well you can whistle. I love vibrato in there. Okay, there we go. All right, good job, church. I'm not going to do that to you again this week, all right? We already went through that once, and I won't bore you with that again. And uh, We know he wrote this little song, and he sung it note for note, so don't worry, just be happy, amen? Uh, if you'll turn my lapel mic up just a little bit, I want to say a, a shout-out to uh, two of our faithful members who are down in Florida enjoying their first year of retirement, Fred and Dolly. So I want you to know... Don't you worry. You just be happy in that sunshine. I saw the sunrise this morning. And then um, thank you so much for the, they wrote me a note. It says, just a note to let you know, I'm thinking of you. Don't worry. Be happy. So we know that they're not just saying, Pastor, we're listening to the message. They're listening to the message. This morning, it's such a, topic of intimacy for me, a topic where, as I, I thought about doing part two of this series on propelling in prayer, I started to reflect on some biblical characters in the Bible and started thinking about where they reached out in their time of need and their time of struggle. And I saw throughout Scripture that Jesus was continually telling the disciples and He was continually speaking to the people. And He said, listen, you don't have to fear. Neither do you need to worry. You don't have to have anxiety. I want you to put your faith and trust in Me. Well, they looked at Him and many of the Pharisees said to Him, what is He doing? Is He preaching truth? Is He speaking of His Father? Who is He speaking about? And what is He speaking about? Many of you will know this story. As He went into the place where there was a man who was laid out and he was on a mat. And as He was laying there, He walked into this place, and, and many of you know this story, but this man and many people said that if you go into this pool, you will be healed. But there was something that I think there was a backdrop to this story that I noticed that really started to convict me. And then it hit me in the song this morning. That he took a beggar and he made him royalty. That he can make the lame walk again and yet he can make the blind be able to see. He can make the dumb in the Scriptures, those that are mute, able to hear. He can make those that are paralyzed drop through a ceiling because there were so many that went around Jesus to experience the miracles of what His Father was doing in and through Him. Yet people were always watching. We had the Pharisees and the Sadducees. We had the great high priest that many did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah, that He came to save His people, so they were still waiting Yet he walked over to this man and as he had his two disciples that were with him and he walks into this big area, he sees yet this man who was lame, 
laying on a mat. But what we are missing here is that there are several hundred people. They're getting ready to go into the pool, but how can they get in there? People are pushing everybody aside because they believe that some type of miracle comes from this place. And yet we've learned in the Scriptures that even the doubting one, his name is Thomas, said this, but how do we know? Yet in John 14, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the... and I'm the life. And yet he walks over to him and he notices in this big area and he's, he's pointed out and he tells his disciples, he goes, see that man down there? Look at him. He isn't worrying. And they said, what do you mean he isn't worrying? Do you know him? He said, this is who I came to see. This is the person I came to heal. Many of them were kind of puzzled, yet bewildered. And Jesus says, well, guys, watch. And he walks up to him, and, and even though the man that was paralyzed and laid on this mat, who's been laying on this mat for probably 30 or 40 years, Jesus knelt down to him and says, Hi there. And the man looked up at him and said, Who are you? He says, You don't know who I am? He said, No. He goes, I'm the one that you've been crying out to. Well, I've been waiting. He said, well, what are you waiting for? I need heal. I need to go down into the pool and I need just a touch. I need healing power. I want to walk. He said, well, then get up and walk. He goes, what do you mean? He said, get up and walk. Well, who are you? I am the Son of God. But he really didn't say it. So what he was telling him is he said, oh, you have little faith. You don't know who I am. And immediately the man reached down and touched his legs. Because he wasn't worrying. See, he was faithful. And he laid there. And he lived on this mat. But here's the cool part of the pool that I learned from the Scriptures. People were going into this place to receive healing. People cry out. And in the Old Testament, they were crying out because they saw miracles take place. But there's only one person that brings life and healing, and his name is Jesus. But here's what he said, and here's what he did. He said, get up. Now watch. Get up. Don't you worry. You be happy. (laughs) Because there's a little song I wrote. I want you to sing a note for note. Not what he said, but he was teaching that, that great lesson. So he got up, and here's what he told him. Pick up your mat. Pick up your mat. Watch. Pick up the place you've lived, the place you eat at, the place you worship, the place you go to the bathroom, the place that you cry, the place you sleep, the place you're trying to bathe in, but you don't look like you've bathed in a long time. Pick up what was once yours and walk in victory. Isn't that awesome? See, We fail to look at truth in the Word. You see, demonic influences, and Satan wants us to believe that there isn't power in prayer. There is power in prayer. There's power in His Word. There's power in God's truth. 
I really believe that he said, grab the mat so everybody can kind of see what you went through once you went down that life of being handicapped, living a life maybe in sin that brought you to this place. There's always everything in in, in the backdrop that's there. What I felt in my spirit was this. God always answers prayers in His time. And maybe you feel, I wish He'd answer my prayer a little quicker than He has been. I've been praying about this and praying about this and praying about this and I just don't see it. I have been praying for my drug-addicted daughter. I've been praying for my drug-addicted son. I have been praying for my children. I've been praying for their relationship. I've been praying for our finances. Why are we always broke? Well, I think sometimes if God answered your prayer, you might stop praying. Said, let not your heart be in trouble. Well, what he says is, don't be fearful, neither be afraid. So I get up and I listen to a body meditation. I listen to a body. They speak truth and they speak the word. And so as I was listening to this this week, God said, I want you to share this. And I want you to know that we're a church that believes there's power in prayer. I believe in the sovereign God that He sent His only begotten Son, that if it wasn't for Jesus, we wouldn't have eternal life. We wouldn't have salvation. How many of you believe in this room that God answers prayer? Amen. Amen. We are a church that believes in prayer. How many of you believe that God's in control? Amen. Listen closely for the next several minutes of this narrative and this dialogue that starts to play out. In regard to our life and anxiety, fear, worry. What kind of church are we? What kind of people are we? Listen closely. Technical difficulties. Hey, that's all right. You know what? I'm not. And I'm going to be happy. All right. Stop that, y'all. And, uh, we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. It's okay. We won't worry about it. But I'll tell you a little bit about what it says. It says we don't have to worry. We don't have to worry at all. And now we're subscribing to abide. But um, all right, of Bible meditation. Are we ready? Okay, go ahead. Of this Christian motivational video. Welcome to today's inspiration, which sheds light on deception in the end times. The great deception of the Antichrist, which was prophesied to come before the rapture, is already here, and it is in our churches. 
In today's world, it is difficult to find a church that teaches the sound doctrine of Jesus Christ according to his word, the Bible. In fact, it seems as though many churches do not teach on the topics that have everything to do with eternity. Churches are God's mandate to reach every corner of the world with the authentic word of God. Whether you have or have not personally experienced, there are many preachers who have strayed from teaching the truth of the Bible and have focused on teaching feel-good or prosperity gospel. This is also the doctrine of demons, messaging Satan uses through churches to draw people to sin and away from God's truth. They have designed their churches to entertain rather than edify, to feel good rather than repent. You might say some have knowingly and some unknowingly branded themselves as seeker-friendly churches as opposed to being a house of prayer. Meaning, these churches would rather stroke the egos of people rather than deliver messages which convict people's hearts to return back to a straight path of righteousness. Instead, they tell them how good they are and that they are destined for greatness as opposed to the truth that they are a sinner and Jesus is the only one who can save them. The word sinner is a mark we are all born into when we enter this world. And if we shorten that word, we get the word sin. One of the topics we really don't hear preached or taught anymore in churches. Yet, it affects our eternity. Why is it that many churches avoid the preaching of sin? One might say because sin is not popular, likable, or feel good. According to 2 Timothy 4, 3, 4, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itchy ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Sin is not a bad word. It is an honest word. Sin fragments relationships, deteriorates our health, corrodes our finances, clouds our thinking, and erodes our family and friendships. These are the wages of sin, and sin will always demand full price on its wage. Sin is a taker and never a giver. It drains life and energy from you. Even though there are pleasures from sin, they are temporary. They do not last. Sin is a distraction leading to destruction of your soul. But the good news is that sin is the very reason Jesus died on the cross for each one of us. The church should always be teaching about sin in order that we can be taught forgiveness, the forgiveness of Jesus. Jesus saves sinners. Not good works, not money, not man. Proverbs 11:19. Whoever is steadfast in righteousness will live, but he who pursues evil will die. It is important that we balance the prosperity type of gospel with the opposite, the suffering gospel. There are churches who teach denial of God's blessings and riches as a principle of God's word. This is a lie. In fact, 1 Timothy 4, 1-5 clearly warns us about this deception. Now the Spirit expressly says 
that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. I know that life is not always easy, and let's face it, worry is one of the most present emotions within us. There isn't a day that goes by where any one of us escapes worrying about something in our life. Worry is a useless emotion and one of the hardest emotions to not allow into our thinking. Worry is also a sin because it is an insult to God. One could say worry is the practical expression of atheism. Why is that? Because every time we worry, we are saying we don't believe God is able to keep his promises in taking care of me. God states clearly in Romans 8.32, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? God's word is his word, and he will always clothe us in his love. He has already taken care of every single need we have had and will ever have in our lifetime. We must tell ourselves every day, it is done. Satan cannot deceive me with worry. God has already provided the best care for me. He has washed away the sin of worry forever. Therefore, I have nothing to worry about. Worry cannot solve your problems, nor can it give you peace. Prayers are what you need to be saying for any problems you want God to handle. He can take away your problems with just one word. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. You must start filling your mind with the right things. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, worthy of praise. You will not find these on the TV the radio, the internet, or the movie theater. You will find these things in the Bible. Any church bearing good fruit should be teaching you to fill your mind with the word of God to protect yourself and your loved ones from the deception of false prophets or teachers. Isaiah 26.3 You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I know that if I trust God, he will take care of everything. My health, my job, my money, my breath, my heart, my mind, my soul. My soul is in his safe hands because I have been forgiven and saved. Romans 4, 7, 8. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. You see, when you ask for forgiveness... Your sins are forgiven and cast forever into the sea of forgetfulness. God does not hold your sin against you as another man would. He never will. Your slate is wiped clean. Why is this important for you to know and hear in churches today? Because forgiveness is part of God's salvation. Without it, there is an eternal hell. Hell is real, a lake of fire. 
Hell is an ongoing torment, and the fire is never quenched. There is gnashing of teeth and darkness in the air. Revelation 21.8 But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Churches who teach that hell exists are preaching the truth to you. God is truth and God is love. Do not be afraid to hear the truth about hell. It is the evil counterpart to heaven. Another topic we don't hear preached in many churches today. Heaven is eternal. It is not of this world and it is the kingdom of God. Heaven is a place where Jesus has gone to prepare a place for you. John 14:1-6. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may also be, and you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man goes to heaven without him. That is our awesome eternal security, a personal escort into heaven by Jesus our Savior. Heaven is more beautiful than we can imagine, streets of gold and brilliant colored gemstones. It is filled with angels, angels all around the throne of God, praising and worshiping him. Heaven is a place where we do not age. There is no sickness. There is no pain. There is no death. There is no limit. It never ends. In heaven, the lion sits down with the lamb. Every day is filled with light, joy, song, praise, the glory of God. It is vital you belong to a church that teaches the word of God, the Bible, salvation through Jesus Christ alone. There are churches that teach various ways to heaven, and this is simply not in alignment with the gospel of Christ. Matthew 7, 15 and 16. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? You will know the churches that are houses of the devil by their fruits, what they teach, their doctrines, what they stand on. They deny Jesus Christ and his powers. 1 John 4.3 And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. The spirit of the Antichrist is all over the world in many churches. And with this, there is deception. Deception is when someone tries to convince you that anyone other than Jesus is the way to God. They may declare openly that Jesus is not the way, and that following other apostles or disciples is the way to heaven. Do not let anyone lure you into these false doctrines. This is the fruit of false prophets. They will also never pray in the name of Jesus. There are churches who do not preach that Jesus died on the cross for our sins because they do not believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus. 
This is another deception you need to stay away from. There is scientific proof that Jesus did walk this earth. He did die, and he died for the sins of you and I so that we may accept his salvation to be with him in heaven for eternity. I would encourage you to be in the word of God every day. It is your armor. It is your truth to refute any and all deception that comes before you. God poured his spirit into and ordered the writers of the Bible to write for the purpose of instruction, correction, and righteousness. There are churches that do not believe the Bible is the word of God. This is another deception. Any church that does not believe and teach the Bible is the word of God does not believe in God. That is not a church that will feed you the truth of Jesus Christ and their fruit is dead. I pray deception stay away from you and your loved ones. I pray your soul be fed with the teaching of God's word, the only sound doctrine of Jesus Christ. We invite you to come back every day to listen and arm yourself with the truth of God's word in today's inspiration. Until next time, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Isn't it interesting? Can I just pause for just a minute? I think I just summed up the doctrine of New Hope Talmadge. Amen. You know, it's interesting because uh, I think they compiled so much scripture and so much truth in such a short amount of time. I know that, that I think it's 13 minutes, 13 minutes and 46 seconds, but a lot of truth was uh, said in that video. And I thought it was interesting that they highlighted worry. I think we've, we've failed to expound on sin. You know, people will say, remember back in the day when that preacher got up and he was just preaching his heart out and he was identifying sin and those people come running down to the altar and he was saved because of that. Well, this is where they're trying to separate, you know, fiction from fact. I think we need to look into the Word to understand really what God is teaching when it talks about uh, speaking the truth and that Jesus Christ is the way. I'm proud to say that I can sit down here to know that I have believers that we are centered and surrounded around that believe that way. We believe that without the Word of God and without Jesus, that everything we do is in vain. And if you are here today and you've been struggling, maybe in your own life and in sin, I want you to know there's freedom in Jesus. There's freedom in the Word. And if you will, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. I want to read verses 25 through 30. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 30. As you turn there, I'm going to pray. Lord, as we take the next few minutes to bring this message uh, series, this two-part series to a close, I pray, God, that you'll just speak to our hearts. Let us understand what we need to do and identify that in our life and understand that, Lord, we want the, the world to hear about Jesus, the one who saves and the one who delivers. And yet, Father, we, we want you to speak through each and every one and let us be a witness and a light to such a world that needs the hope of a Savior. 
Thank you, Lord, for the word. I pray, Father, that you will speak through me today. Anoint me. And, uh, Lord, I just thank you again for those that are represented here today as we dig into your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you will, let's read together in Matthew chapter 6. And it says this in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will He not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. One of my favorite verses here. But seek you first... His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. One thing I love about recovery, you do what? You take one day at a one day at a time. One day at a time. If you worry about tomorrow, you're already stressing, you're already worrying, you're already sinning, you're taking the... the the very thing that we need to do is say, God, here's my life. Here's my situation. I trust that you will take care of it. And for many of you in this room that keep going back and saying, God, I want to take this back from you, that's where sin takes place in your life. Why are you doubting that God is in control? Why are you worrying? It says there, don't worry about what the birds are doing. They're diligent about their work. I won't go back into that, but last week I highlighted worry and anxiety. And, and in the Scriptures, if you look at the word worry and anxiety, it means to do what? To strangle. The more you start worrying, the more anxiety comes in, the more overwhelmed you become. Next thing you know, you're having a panic attack. You have to be very, very careful what influences you allow to influence your mind in your heart. So then we look at verse 27, and uh, when you look in the Word there, it says in verse 27 of Matthew chapter 6, which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Now, I'm going to continue now. Now I'm going to go right into this, and we're going to get through this quickly. It says, don't be anxious about longevity. I already went through all the other things. We won't go back because we need to move forward. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life is what the Scripture says. Who can add a single cubit to their lifespan? Or a cubit can or equal, it's a length of something, height or something. Since a cubit is 18 inches, would it be quite foolish for anyone to worry about adding such a measurement to their height? Our society is, however, obsessed and consumed with the length of one's life. Everyone wants to live forever. On any given day, you will find all sorts of infomercials. Nordatrack, 
treadmills, weights, not to mention all kinds of aerobic workout videos or shows. It's good to take care of your body. Much of this, however, is manifested because people really doubt whether eternity is real. Yet it is for sure true of an unbeliever. Whether you're rich or whether you're poor, in shape to run a marathon or out of shape, nobody can add a single hour to your lives. We know this past week we fell back an hour. We can't gain that hour. I heard a 40-year-old doctor who was a marathon runner who died early while I have also observed people who defied all the rules for good health and who lived to be nearly 100 years old. Why is that? Because God controls the outcome. We have to understand that God controls the outcome. In Job chapter 14, verse 5, it says this, Man, days are determined. You have decreed the number of his months and have set limits he cannot exceed. In Psalms chapter 90, verse 12 tells us, Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Death comes far too quickly for everyone. Worry? It accomplishes anything and it shortens life. My wife says to me this morning, out of nowhere, doesn't even know this message, doesn't know I'm talking about longevity, doesn't know I'm talking about life or death. But it says there as he was preaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he was talking about, you don't have to worry about tomorrow. Don't you worry about your life. Don't you worry about longevity. She says, I think the very thing that I worry about, and many of us probably do, what's life like? Without that person that is your companion. What is life like when that per? We don't know until you experience it. He said, don't worry about tomorrow. We were up here at the, the Summit County Fairgrounds last night. All of us and the kids went. And we were walking around and um, it was just bizarre because I walked up to this uh, one booth. And, you know, as shy and backward that I am, I just started talking. And... Uh, so I said to her, how did you guys make pumpkins on one side, snowmen on the other side? That's really clever and all kind of creative. She goes, well, listen to this. And she proceeded to say to me, well, we made over 500 of them. Matter of fact, I think there was 750, or I think, total. So Ryan and I were just listening to her story. Would you agree, son, that when we stood there yesterday, she just smiled the whole time, had so much joy in her heart, didn't she? And she proceeded to say to us, yeah, my husband passed away of cancer. But then he got this other thing, which was about his heart valve. And, you know, we've been together 50, 51 years, 55 years we were married. But you know what? I'm really at peace. And I know that God is in control. I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I didn't have to worry about his death. Because, see, he said our days are numbered. He knows us. Well, we're talking. And, I mean, she's just... I'm like, I'm looking at Ryan, or I'm thinking to myself, wow. And then she proceeds to say to me, well, I want you to know, too, that, yeah, I've already lost two children. I actually, like, paused for a moment. I was like, did I just hear her say this correctly? You did what? You lost two children? Two adult children. One at 27, and one just a few years ago, to cancer as well. That's her the whole time. 
Yeah, and, and you know one thing we learned? And it was at my, my husband's funeral that the pastor, he did such a great job. I saw she was doing what? I mean, it was so, I told Becky, I said, I was so intrigued, like, I just wanted to stand there. You are so happy about death. Wow. You know, I have a funeral that's coming up on Thursday that I'm going to be officiating. And um, man lived 96 years. What a great life, right? Last month, there was a, a gentleman that we ended up burying, well, two months ago, 27 years. To me, that's a short life. We realize there's always a number, but as she's there, she said, this is what the pastor preached on. Well, my husband wore a shirt all the time and said, God rules. And she said, I love that shirt. It just meant so much to me. God rules. He loved that shirt. I think we got it at a concert somewhere. And, uh, but she said, you know what, what, what I thought was really cool about it? And the pastor incorporated it and I found a t-shirt. You know, I had one. I didn't even know I had it. She said on the front it said, God rules. And on the back of it, it said, duh. It made me stop and think. It really did. It made me think that, you know, here we are. Don't worry about longevity. Don't worry about life and death. How many of you believe our life's about the kingdom of heaven? How many of you believe? That's why I showed this today. How many believe that it's about eternity? We're only here for a snap. Our life is but a vapor. You're here today and gone tomorrow. And yet we're worrying. Yet we're, 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 we have all this anxiety because we think we're in some kind of control. Well, I've learned that we're not in control. God is in control. He takes care of everything. So it says there, be very, very careful. It doesn't how, much, how many vitamins you take. What is your pre-workout shake, your drink, your vitamins, your herbs, your popping this and popping that to make sure that your biceps look bigger than your triceps and your, your liceps look bigger than your biceps and every bicuspids and... You know, all the other eye teeth and everything else. I don't know. I don't work out. All I know is that I try to stay away from carbs because they make my stomach bloat at 51. That's all I know. But I'm not going to worry about it. I'll leave that up to you over there. You know, we, we have a tendency to, to put such emphasis on our workout regimen. And I want to say, Jerry, thank you so much for all the hard work you put into yours. Thank you, brother. I need to do the same thing, and that's discipline. That's another message, and we won't talk about that today. Amen? All right. Uh, okay. I'm going to be looking here at Matthew chapter 6. Then he says this. Don't be anxious about longevity. Don't worry about tomorrow. Okay? So we, can all, we all believe that the, the truth here, Jesus was saying in the Sermon on the Mount, don't worry about it. Listen, I've got you in the palm of my hand. Listen, I'm controlling everything. Listen, if you lived another day past... 75 or 92 or 155, whatever it might be, you might mess things up. I know the perfect timing for you. So, I love that he says there, you don't need to worry about it. But then he says in verses 28 and 30 of Matthew 6, And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I will tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. That is how God clothes the grass, the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Here's an area of imbalance in our society. Fashion has become a God. Models are among the highest paid in our society. 
the Word of God says that we are to be more concerned with the inner man, godly character, than outer beauty. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, it says this, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. I mean, we can look at Solomon. We can look at King David's son. We can see there that you should have... He says in his word, if you look back even in Ecclesiastes, you would have to go a long way to, to beat him because of the way he looked and how he dressed. If he were alive, he would probably be the publisher of GQ for men or Vogue for women. But if you look in the word of God, we know that he was extravagant. He was extravagant in how he dressed and what he did. He probably got all of his clothes from instead of Saks Fifth Avenue, Camel Fifth Avenue. I'm not sure. That's for those that are just sleeping. I try to throw these things in just to get you guys to wake up. None of those can even begin to compare with the way that God adorns flowers or more blades of grass. He adds that the grass is here today and is used to mart a fuel in an oven or furnace. Charles Spurgeon said, Lovely lilies, how you rebuke our foolish nervousness. Oh, you of little faith. Are you starting to get a sense of Jesus' tone here? Do we feel the sense of Jesus' tone that He's really expounding on faith? He loves us. He wants to provide for us. But like the disciples who cried out from the boat, Lord, don't you care that we perish? He asks to the disciples as the boat was sinking, Where is your faith? We look in Luke chapter 8, verses 23 through 25. Luke chapter 8, verses 23 through 25, and I'll let you follow along with me. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? In the text it says, Oh, you have little faith. He asked his disciples in fear and amazement. They asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. Why is he saying here, Oh, you have little faith. Those who believe nothing more than they are saved. Little faith believers aren't much different in their lifestyle than the world around them. They worry, fret, doubt, and concern themselves with worldly cares and concerns. I'm here to tell you, church, that we don't have to worry about how we look, what we're wearing. Yeah, I take a lot of time. I have OCD. I always chalk it up to that. But my stuff has to match. If it doesn't match, I go crazy. You know, I have to have black shoes and black socks, black pants and a black shirt and a black jacket. Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash. Y'all keep calling me Johnny Cash. Oh, ring of fire. The ring of fire. I fell. Just kidding. Um, see, you just threw me off. But here, here's reality. We all worry about our outward appearance, but let's make it personal today. If you're worrying, why aren't you worried more about the inward man? Because people can see the outward appearance more than they see the inward man. Well, I can read some scripture for you real quick. And we'll go through this and then, then we're going to wind things down. 
But anxiety is unfounded because of our faith, okay? In Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 33, he says, so do, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you as well. And I noticed here that there's, he, he gives the second admonition or counsel, do not worry or be anxious at all. Worry about food, drink, clothing reflects that which the heathen or unbeliever occupy themselves. But in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 32, it says, If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus for merely human reasons, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. When a believer has needs, they simply need to let their Heavenly Father know what they need. You go to Him, you bring your petition. It says in Philippians chapter 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When we are commanded to seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness, then we follow the text where he says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. You see, we were bought with a price. We were once slaves to sins. We are now to live as obedient slaves to Christ, seeking our master's goals first. This is my favorite verse. However, in Acts 20, 24, it says this, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Seek. Seek you first. It means seek earnestly. Seeking first God's kingdom and His righteousness means living under Christ's lordship. He is to be Lord of our lives, Lord of our jobs, Lord of our family, Lord of our bank accounts, Lord of our wallets. Seeking God first is what is prioritized in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive those who've trespassed or sinned against us. But deliver us from evil. Deliver us from temptation. For thine is the kingdom and the power forever and ever. Amen. We need to realize that anxiety is unsound because of our future. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, it says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And, and we notice the third admonition here. Here's the, here's the t- part where he's telling us, listen, I want you to hear, do not be anxious at all. We're not to worry about what may not happen in the future. We are to live day by day in dependence to the Lord. Get through each day by faith and go through your lessons of life and learn what God has for us. The Lord says each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen? We all have to understand that. George MacDonald said this, No man ever sunk under the burden of the day. It is when tomorrow's burden is added to the burden of today that the weight is more than a man can bear. That was convicting. Let me say that again. 
No man ever sank under the burden of the day. It is when tomorrow's burden is added to the burden of today that the weight is more than a man can bear. Aren't you glad we're made in the image of God? Not birds, not animals, not plants, not creation, not all of His creation. The earth and the universe. Many of those items reflect the glory and yet the creativity of God. But only man is made in His image and likeness. And we'll read this verse as I close. It said in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, Then God said, Let us make man in our image and our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, over all the cre- uh, creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him. Male and female, he created them. Jesus came and died to redeem fallen man. Jesus came, He died to redeem fallen man. And Jesus came, He died to do what? To set us free. And how can we doubt His love, His care, His protection, and ability to provide for us? How do you want to live for the Lord Jesus Christ? As a Christian who is free from worry, who is free from anxiety that you can reflect the awesome power of God in your life as a testimony to the lost world as you trust Him and His ability to provide for you His child? Or do you want to live as an anxiety-riddle believer that the Lord describes as one of little faith? Men were in the boat. He said, stop! You have little faith? There are people who told me, Pastor, What are you doing talking to that real estate agent? You'll never be able to have that church on Riverside Drive. You'll never be able to. No, I won't be, but God is able. What are you doing? They'll never give you a land contract. Did you hear what that real estate agent said? Oh, but there's power in prayer. And when you go to God in your quiet moments, it says here in the very beginning, hey, go into your quiet place. Go to your prayer closet. Go to that place where you can cry out to God and say, God, here's my problems. Here's my issues. I have a big issue. Might be a big deal, but I have some big issues. And lay it before Him. Understand that we're just sinners saved by God's grace. People say, I'm not going to that church. They all think they're perfect in there. Well, we're not perfect. We're forgiven. And we're here to try to live a life that exemplifies the power of Christ. In Philippians 4, you heard me say this and I'll read it again. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. That it was befitting for Thanksgiving season. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't worry, be happy. All you got to do is pray, church. You're looking at a man who, I can't believe the things that have happened. But I can believe that with God... All things happen. I want you to know that 
God wants to do a great work in you. Listen, he doesn't need a story just from a pastor. He needs a story from his people. He needs a story from his children. But you've got to lay down your sin. You've got to lay down your past. You've got to say, God, I'm going to trust in you today to live my life. I, I, I'm sick of all the anxiety that I've been dealing with. Listen. They said, there's a lot of money in that building addition. Your pastor started worrying about it. I'm down at St. Pete. Got a call from the bank. Well, here's what we decided to give you. Here's what you're going to get. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, man. Oh, no. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. I started thinking, oh, I'm having... Oh, I was worrying. And God said, whoa, wait a minute. And this is how this message all came about. Now I'm confessing to all of you. He goes, and Todd? Yes. Why are you worrying? Have I been in control of everything up to this point? You know I own a cattle on a thousand hills. You heard in the video, he said, why are you worried? Let not your heart be troubled. Do you believe in everything that I've done so far? Then you'll believe that I'll do the rest. So I'm trusting in him. I'm like, okay, Lord. And it was until that point that I surrendered. And I said, okay, God. In my prayer time that I said, all right, I have peace. See, it says there that the peace of God, the peace of God will overcome you. And I want you to experience peace. How many of you just, have you ever been to a, a place where you felt a sense of peace? Anybody in this room? Even a moment. I always say a flicker, a moment, maybe an atmosphere. Sometimes people say, I love honey because when I get in my deer stand, it's so peaceful. When you look outside right now, it's snowing. It's not so peaceful. I mean, it's peaceful looking. Snowing. Oh, brother. See? But it comes down and it's slow. But we find a place where there's peace. Let me share this with you as I close. I love this. Because I think we add so much anxiety and worry to our life, we lose our perspective. Church, he told the children of Israel, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive you. I will forgive you. I will forgive you. Then I will heal your land. But you've got to go to him and lay your sins out before him. Turn from your wicked ways. Quit the stress and worry. It's kind of like the guy who had a flat tire on a back road late at night and then discovered that his jack was missing. And as he starts down the long, dark road to a farmhouse in the distance, he gets to thinking, what happens if there's been a lot of break-ins around here lately? And what if the farmer hears me and thinks I'm a burglar? What if he's bought himself a couple of pit bulls for protection? What if when I arrive, he just give me a chance to... He doesn't give me a chance to explain who I am. And when I knock on the door, he turns the dogs loose on me. Well, the closer he got to the farm, the more he had convinced himself that the very worst was going to happen. So when he finally got to the house, he beat on the door. And when the farmer answered, the guy shouted, I didn't want your dumb old Jack anyway. It stormed back to his car. Not only is worry needless and useless, but it's also dangerous. That's the story. Worry is detrimental to your health. 
The two illnesses that most typify our society today are ulcers and coronary disease, both of which have stress at their root. So today, church, lay it down. Let it go. Get on your knees. Seek God's face. Not what you can get. He said in the Sermon on the Mount, it's not about what other people think you have. It's not about you boasting about your prayer life. It's not about you telling people, look what I gave. It's all about our relationship. Jesus wants and desires a relationship with you. Will you seek His face? Will you bow on your knee? Will you cry out to God? He's waiting to hear your cry. And He needs you to do that. Will you do that this morning? Will you do it tomorrow? Will you do it Tuesday? Will you do it Wednesday? Will you do it at the end of the week? When you say, thank God it's Friday, will you get up from your prayer closet and say, God, here I am. I give you my all. And here's what Matthew 6, chapter 1 says. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father which is in heaven. Just lay it down. Go to your quiet place. Go to your closet. Wherever your secret place is, give God the keys to it. Allow Him to walk in. Open up your heart, your mind, and your life. And God will heal you. God will change your current circumstances. And there's hope in the power of Jesus. Amen? Do you receive that today? Amen. Let's stand as we pray. God, we love you. We thank you, Father. That you are with us. That you are among us. And so, God, not just before man, but in our quiet space. In that intimate place, God, let us experience you. Father, thank you for your power. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who gives us life and gives it to us abundantly. God, I love you. I thank you for your power. I thank you for your answer to prayer. Thank you for answering prayer here. Lord, I stand behind this pulpit that was made 16 years ago as we went by faith. And God, you provided. So God, I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. For Lord, you already know what's going to take place. Lord, you see things I can't even see. So I'm going to put my faith and my trust in you. I'm going to cry out to you. And in this room today, in the, in the quietness of this room, God, allow us to feel your presence. Allow us to be still. Allow us to know that you are God. Lord, I love you. We ask that if there's somebody here today that, Lord, needs to turn from their wicked ways, will you hear their prayer? will you heal that individual God we love you Lord we thank you that we can cast all our care on you for you care for us Lord we let go of the worry we let go of the anxiety we let go of life we let go of death for Father we trust in you in every facet of our life in Jesus name we pray Amen let's sing together